The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parr-Rood. Each week on Quantum Business Insights, I explore the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. My hope is that through deep dialogue and inquiry, we'll discover new approaches and perspectives that can help us all be more successful in our business. I especially want to draw attention to those systems and processes that take advantage of what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. So I'm especially excited about today's show because the topic is Measuring the Value of Your Greatest Asset, Human Capital Analytics. My guest is Gene Pease, CEO of Vestrix, formerly known as Capital Analytics. He is a co-author along with Jack Fixens and Boyce Byerly of Human Capital Analytics, How to Harness the Potential of Your Organization's Greatest Asset, published just this year by Sass Wiley. Gene, a CEO for over 25 years, brings his seasoned perspective to Vestrix, where he and his team translate their breakthrough statistical methodology into software and consulting to optimize human capital investments. Gene is a renowned thought leader, author, and speaker at numerous industry events. He excels at building management teams in several stages, including startup, early stage development, and turnaround. His success at raising capital and developing businesses and strategic partnerships has earned his company numerous awards. Vestrix, while known as Capital Analytics, has been recognized by Burson by Detroit as the 2012 Burson Learning Leader and by the ROI Institute in 2011 for Best Innovative Approach to ROI, by Gartner in 2011 and 2009 in their Hype Cycle for Human Capital Management, and by Gartner, and this is my favorite, as uh, in 2008 as Cool Vendor of the Year. Gene has a master's degree in business in entrepreneur and venture management and a bachelor's degree in architecture. Gene, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, thanks, Olivia. Um, thanks for having me and a chance to talk about human capital analytics. My pleasure. So I'll share with my audience that I really enjoyed working as one of the editors on your book, Human Capital Analytics. And during the process, I became really intrigued with the way you're able to perform rigorous analysis of human resource investments. So how would you describe or what is human capital analytics and what is it about the nature of business that makes it more possible today? Well, human capital analytics is really the the analysis and science of um, trying to understand what's going on with your populations of people 
and what investments um, are working and not working with those people. And so um, it's really just the um, using data that exists or, or gathering data that doesn't exist and analyzing that to, to, um, to do a variety of things all around human capital. And human capital, um, as you probably know, is the, the most important um, asset that a company has today, um, something like over 70% of a company's value is in intangible assets, and most of that's in their people. So it's imperative that we um, use advancements in science and math and computing to be able to analyze kind of the trends and patterns that are going on with those people. And it's possible today because, one, we have this big data explosion, so Organizations have tons of data that can be data mined to, to turn into insights into what's going on with their people. Um, and the, the science and methodologies and math that we use, um, advanced statistics, has really been perfected for quite a long time. It's been used in the drug trial industry. It's been used in actuarial. Um, um, all kinds of uh, uh, areas within a business um, the, the math and science that we use has been used. It just hasn't been applied to human resources until the last decade or so. And so our work, along with others, is very new. But using methodologies and science has been around and perfected in other industries for quite a long time. I see. So let me just make sure I understand. It used to be, say, 20 or 30 years ago that the company's assets might be their equipment or their uh, resources uh, or their technology, and now because so much value is in, say, invisible assets, that's. It, it sounds like that's why the people are important because they have this kind of in their brain, and their ability to use the new technology is really a big part of the value. Is that tr- is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. In the old days, when I grew up um, in business, the value of the company is all the stuff you could see the, with physical assets, plant and equipment, um, inventory, all of those kind of cash, all those kinds of things. Today, the vast majority of companies values an intangible assets, and the majority of that is in the people and the processes. And without the people, you can't manage process. And so um, it's exactly right. So most of the value in companies today is in their people, and the companies that recognize that are very aggressive about trying to apply advanced methods to understand h- how they're doing, what's working well, what's not working well, and, and also forecasting uh, workforce planning needs for the future. Okay. So what are some of the measures that are useful, say, uh, in, in measuring or analyzing human resource investments? Well, there's uh, what we call, and in the book we highlight um, this thing that I call the, the, the human capital continuum, um, analytics continuum. And so it really starts with the data that's being gathered that would roll up into a typical dashboards in, in HR. So HR has typically two or three different major functions. Um, the learning function uses technologies around learning management systems, and typically those systems have activity-based metrics that roll up into dashboards. So it's things like how many people are in training, how many um, course completions there were, how many people got certified, and the like. 
And you have the same with all the people data that are in um, HRIS systems, human resource information systems. There's a variety of different kinds of those, but basically those systems have all the information around the people, hire dates, um, performance reviews, um, salary, promotions, all that stuff are related to the people. And so when you start combining those data sets, typically those systems, those type of systems in HR don't talk to each other. But when you start combining those sets, you can then start doing some very rigorous um, analysis around that data. Um, and so the, the next evolution of taking that HR data that's in a variety of different systems and combining that data is then throwing into the mix operational data that is relevant to whatever the investments are you're making. So if you're making a training investment in sales, not only will you be pulling in the learning management data and the human resource data and maybe engagement scores and some other stuff, but you'll be also pulling in performance data from, say, Salesforce.com. And then you start mixing HR and operational data, and you begin to be able to do some really deep dive analysis of how your investments are working, where they're working, where they're not working, and getting into the space that I call the the uh, getting to causation of investments and then getting um, showing ways to be able to optimize or improve those investments through predictive analytics. So do you have any case studies you could share where you actually did this kind of process? Yeah, so I mean, uh, in our book and on the website, we've got, I think, over a dozen published case studies where clients have allowed us to showcase their work, <clears throat> but but one that's gotten some recognition, and in fact, Chrysler won um, some business impact awards around this work, was Chrysler was deploying sales training to their 35,000 potential salespeople at uh, over 3,000 dealers. <clears throat> and Chrysler knew without any heavy analysis that a fully trained salesperson sold 35 more cars a year than an untrained, and a partially trained, the way they defined it, uh, sold somewhere around 12 cars. And when everybody at Detroit found out that number, Kind of everybody took credit for it. So the marketing people said it's it's because of our cool ads. The product people said it's it's because of our new new neat jeeps. Finance said it's zero percent financing. Sales said well, I just hired good salespeople. And the training department said, well, what about us? What about training? You know, you kind of um, you don't give us any credit when things are good, but we get blamed when things are bad. Let's see if we can figure out what our contribution is to this 35-car improvement. And so eventually, through a measurement task force and trial and error, they found us, and we were able to come in and isolate the training from all that other stuff in the environment, and we were able to show them with statistical certainty, meaning we were pretty darn positive Hmm. that the training contributed to 16 cars, and the other 19 cars was because of all that other stuff, the marketing and financing and et cetera. <clears throat> so that's kind of the first level of isolated impact that we're telling them, that fully trained salesperson sold 16 cars more than they had if they were untrained. So wow. that gave Chrysler, number one, a, a case to their dealers to, to invest in more training. And, and, um, and then, two is we were able to show them 
areas where they can improve the training and um, and lower their turnover rates at the dealerships and allocate their resources a little bit differently. And so um, that is the optimization work that we do where we understand where where it's working and where it's not working and be able to make recommend predict it and make recommendations on how to improve the investment. Wow, that's amazing. And it's so great uh, to hear that the company not only heard it, but got validated by getting an award for it so that, uh, you know, hopefully it'll encourage others to try this. So we're coming up on a break, um, and my guest is Gene Pease with Vestrix and author, co-author of Human Capital Analytics. So when we return, I'd like to talk a little bit about ROI. So this is Olivia Parrood. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are tuned in to quantum business insights with olivia parr rood to reach the program with questions or comments please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com that's show at oliviagroup.com now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and I'm here today with my guest, Gene Pease, CEO of Vestrix and co-author of Human Capital Analytics. And we've been having a great discussion about the way companies are able to now measure human resource investments. So I wanted to talk a little bit about ROI. ROI, or return on investment, is, is typically a historical measure. 
Can you talk a little bit more about optimization and how you've developed methods for making improvements using measurements that can actually help us predict the future? Yeah, so let me let me just spend a second and give you a little bit of um, history about ROI in the human resources area. And so ROI um, for a long time became a very dirty word because it was really bastardized from an accounting point of view in HR. And so there was um, certain methodologies developed and estimating techniques that um, kind of estimated based on really people's opinions what the ROI of investments were. And so people knew that that there were some being done accurately and a lot that were not being done accurately. And so the learning industry and, to a lesser degree, the HR industry um, really started discounting even the, the, the validity of measuring ROI, which mm-hmm. is, is a historical calculation. And, and one of HR's problems historically has been there hasn't been any um, – standardization around measurement of HR investments because the whole accounting system was built on transactional, not necessarily um, a lot of the types of investments like leadership development that, and I know we're going to talk about that, that that are invested in, but there's really been no standardization of how you account for that from ROI. So, um, but ROI is a historical measure. We talk more about business impact because then I don't get into the the whole conversation about the validity of ROI. Hmm. But, but the, the, the point of this conversation where it's headed is using perfected scientific techniques that have been used, as I talked earlier, in the, in the drug trial industry and now in supply chain optimization and now um, in marketing and um, all kinds of different areas in business. Using that methodology, you can get to a very accurate business impact and ROI. And the value of that is you can then understand where investments are working and where they're not against all the different variable types you have in the in, in your company. For example, different the different types of people, the different tenure rates, male versus um, females, um, um, different locations, different parts of the world, for example. And most of the work that we do is in multinational companies. And so they're thinking more globally than so if you think about giving an investment say it's sales training to 20 countries or or 10 districts and into hundreds and and thousands of people mm-hmm. if you can understand who was responding to that investment and who wasn't you'd keep applying it to the people and places it was working and you would change the investment were those well, well, that's basically optimization. That's understanding, getting behind business impact and ROI, and understanding where that investment, where that leadership development program, where that sales training program, where that performance management system is working and not working, so you can not spread the peanut butter equally mm-hmm. amongst, but really start segmenting and fine tuning your investments, right. and that's what we call optimizing those. And and the only way to do that that we're aware of is to use the rigorous science and not do any estimating to get to business impact because that's the foundation to then do the optimization work. Does that that make sense from the way I described it? Yeah. So let me just 
see if I could clarify because at one point you said you test something and then maybe you see if it works on some people and not on others. And then you made the metaphor of spreading the peanut butter. So if you find out where the peanut butter works and then you find out where it don't works, it doesn't work, excuse me, you might then say spread almond butter or, or come up with a, a different, slightly different training and maybe test that and keep sort of building maybe a little variety in the treatment so that you can uh, get the best from each segment? Yeah. Is that true? In HR, and um, the HR industry has historically given everything to everybody. Right. Now there's exceptions to that. Companies have hypo programs and leadership development programs, and clearly those are segmented for certain populations that they've... So just... Um, so instead of giving everybody the same sales training, because you know people are going to respond different, if you could understand the nuances between those people that would accept and respond to and change their behavior, which is really what you're trying to do, right. a certain type or a certain delivery, then you might customize that for other groups. So this whole idea of one size fits all is now a fairly archaic idea within the HR industry. Now it's more about what we call segmentation, really trying to understand. For example, if you had a population of people that had um, um, millennials, Gen Y, and boomers in that, say it's a call center environment, and you have those three generations in the workforce, do you think you should give and deliver the same training to each of those three groups? I would argue you probably would want to give different training for those groups. And so the, the industry and, and so the industry historically has given one set of training for all customer service reps. Now we're beginning to learn that that doesn't work so well. well and not, not everybody's the same. And so Well there's now, even different learning styles, right? So some people might learn by listening, others might learn better by reading or, or being given a video or something. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so now you're seeing a mix of from gaming to to um, learning on demand and at the point of need. You're seeing a lot of customization because of the recognition that the workforce is not one generic kind of individual. Yeah, I bet and, that's especially true when you get uh, to a global audience. We just know that that's by the culture or their you know, ethnicity or whatever, you know, their language, it's got to be really challenging. Sure, sure. Great. So you did mention leadership, and I wanted to hone in on that a little bit more. When you look at skills that are necessary for success, in my opinion, leadership is really important, and it seems like it's changing, that it used to be that the top-down kind of dictatorial leader worked and especially back when the assets were not the humans and they could you know take people and move them around or or replace them easily but now it feels to me like leadership has to be more of an empowerment based um, kind of inspiring leadership so can you give me some examples of where you've actually made improvements using leadership development well yeah, let's kind of step back for a minute. Most um, most organizations today are working on what I would consider two very related things, bench strength and leadership development. And that's primarily forgetting the style of leadership for a minute. 
<clears throat> that's really predicated upon boomers are finally retiring. And the only probably good thing that happened from the recession was it slowed the boomers down from retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But now they're retiring. They're retiring at the rate of, I think, something like 10,000 boomers a day are retiring. Wow. And when you look at the numbers, um, the Gen Y generation who is next in line to be the leaders of organizations, there's not very many of them. And then the millennials, which come in behind them, there's a gigantic amount of people that are the same, basically the same amount of people coming into the workforce and the millennials that came in and the boomers. So there's a, a an acute need right now to build bench strength and leadership development skills because the boomers are retiring and there's not that many Gen Yers to replace them. And you're just not going to promote uh, a millennial with not much experience to a senior position. And so every organization's kind of dealing with this. What do I do? Wow. If you're in industries like <clears throat> the, where you need scientists and engineers and uh, medical profession mm-hmm. and some of those, there's not enough kids graduating from college today to meet the demand in 2020. So you've got an, a more acute problem if you're in industries that need certain types of specialists, where you're, there's just not going to be enough people in the workforce to, to meet the demand. Wow. And so there's this whole issue around leadership development that companies are really struggling with because of those market factors. And then you throw in the difference in managing to different generations now. Millennials need to be managed very differently than the boomers were. And, you know, it's a complicated problem that companies are trying to work on. So just about every organization that we work with has some kind of leadership development, high potential program um, going to really work on, try to build their bench strength stronger than it currently is. So we're about to come up to a break, so I'd love to maybe get into an example afterwards. But I wanted to just ask you, so it sounds like we also have to be bringing up millennials that can manage boomers, right? I mean, that's another challenge is that they maybe are getting in early, but there's all these uh, older people that aren't leadership material that they're having to manage, well, in some cases, that's true. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, this is the first time, I think, in history, there's five generations within the workforce. Wow. And so you do have um, younger people having to manage older people that, that um, you know, I'm not sure that didn't happen any time. Now it's more acute because of, but as, you know, every every year that goes by, more boomers will be retiring. And, and so that issue won't be as important as, some of the other ones, like how do you replace the knowledge that's leaving all these companies? Well, that's that's really a problem, and um, and it seems like the younger people are coming in naturally more comfortable with technology, so um, they have that advantage as well. Um, so why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll I'd love to get some more insights from you about maybe where you've done this kind of um, in training measurement. And uh, so this is Olivia Parrud with Quantum Business Insights. My guest today is Gene Pease, author of Human Capital Analytics. Stay tuned.
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, welcome back to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parr-Rood. And my guest today is Gene Pease of Vestrix, formerly Human Capital Analytics, or Capital Analytics, and is co-author of a book called Human Capital Analytics. So we, before the break, we were talking about the importance of leadership development and how there is a shortage of millennials that are qualified really to step into leadership and how it's becoming even more important for companies to really build leaders, train leaders, and have them be effective and uh, in in Gene's work, he's been able to develop ways to actually measure the results. So, Gene, can you talk a little bit about one of the case studies you did where you did leadership development? Yeah, so um, ConAgra Foods, which is, you may not know the brand, you may not know the name ConAgra, but ConAgra has, I don't know, something like 70 brands, and they're in 90-some percent of U.S. Um, households. They have brands like Chef Boyardee and Ovo Rickenbacker and um, a whole litany of um, consumer brands that you would have in your cabinet had a uh, new CEO come in, and they didn't feel that they had synergies and um, commonality between their different divisions. And some divisions were homegrown and some were acquired, and so they had different types of products and cultures and 
55 different manufacturing plants. And so they created a, uh, a uh, one Conagra, a, uh, a, uh, a leadership development program that was really three-tiered. It started with the senior management, it then went to middle management, and then the biggest investment and the largest populations was to all of their first-line leaders. Mm-hmm. And so they came to us and asked us to measure their first-year program for the first-line leaders. And the reason they wanted to measure that specifically was that the first-line leaders not only were the by far the largest population of this leadership development investment, but it was also the population that touched the most amount, managed the most amount of ConAgra employees. And so if that part of the program worked, they would get the biggest bang for the buck in their investment. They had a three-year plan for deployment because it was going to take them that long to physically put you know thousands of people through this program. And it was a multi-million dollar investment. And so they came to us and with really two basic questions. They wanted us to measure the first year's effectiveness of the program. And it was basically asking us, is the program working? If show, show us the proof. Mm-hmm. Prove to us that it's working. And two, if it's working, um, how can it be improved for the second and third year deployment? And so... Um, our study was designed around the goals of the program, which was around this one ConAgra. They had very specific metrics. Um, they were hoping that the program improved their factory run rates. They hoped the pr- program um, lowered their turnover rates for first-line supervisors. They hoped that the program um, increased the safety scores or decreased accidents in their factories, for example. And so... We um, were able to to look at because they um, they uh, put put a third of their population of these first line leaders through the program the first year. We had natural control and test group populations to compare against because two thirds weren't going to take the program for the second or third year. One third took it the first year, and so we were able to um, through. Um, control and test group methodology looking at pre and post performance and using isolation statistical isolation techniques we were able to show them that the program number one was working and wow. that they did see improvement in their business outcomes and we could calculate just one of the outcomes being the uh, lowering of the turnover rates of those that were in the program or increasing their retention um, saved ConAgra over $2.3 million their first year in turnover costs in wow. this population. So that one finding, that one business finding, paid for the entire program for three years. So That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pr- pretty, pretty. Um, well, what we have found by doing this work for almost now a decade is that um, although most of these investments typically are measured, when they're deployed, when they're designed and deployed properly, you have huge benefit, financial benefit for the company. Um, usually the return on investment on um, people investments is extremely high. So that was the first level of findings. Okay, yes, it's working. Here's the proof. Just one number proved that it's worth the investment. So the CEO greenlighted the second and third year. Great. Second question they ask us, and this gets to the optimization. Mm-hmm. This is isolated business impact was if it's working, 
how can it be improved? And so what we found was that certain age tenure, not the age of the supervisor, but their tenure with the company, mm-hmm. certain um, tenured supervisors responded much higher to the training than others did. And it was generally the lower tenured supervisor got the most out of the training. And then so instead of, as we talked earlier about picking people equally, you know, picking a, a, a kind of an equal sample from every area, the second year we told them, put in all your younger tenured supervisors and you'll increase your performance. And, and then you can decide to those older tenured supervisors do they even need training? Do you get enough lift? Does the investment work? So so we could get them to improve their investment by just changing their selection process the second year. Another finding we found is that the safety training really worked only in environments or plants that were, which were defined as small plants. So they had just a handful of supervisors. And they're really large plants that had a lot of supervisors. The, the safety training uh, wasn't affecting the safety in those factories. And so that finding told us the safety training was working, but in the large plants, there was something else going on. And so they sent engineers out to those plants because this probably was something like equipment um, issues that created the, 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 that created the safety issue, and, is a, and it wasn't that the training wasn't effective. And so when you start kind of what I call peeling the onion on these questions, you can really get pretty granular on understanding not only what's working and what's not working, but even the degrees they're working and and the nuances behind some of the things that are that are working and not working. That's fascinating. So when you did the training for the younger tenure, the early, uh, the the lower tenure people, did you do a sample of the longer tenured people to kind of make the second level training distinction? Well, remember that they, their first year, they selected kind of an equal amount of the different demographic types. And so we had the first year, we had the comparison data. Oh, okay. You know, they, they picked younger and older tenured people. They picked uh, people from all kinds of, uh, all different sizes and types of factories. Oh, so this was the initial training, not like the second one. That's, that and was so my what confusion. What we're recommending is the second round of training that second year, the second group that was scheduled is pick the younger tenured people for that group first. Right, and but that was their first training. That's where I got confused. Correct. Okay, that was their first training. Oh, that, that's really interesting. So did did they? Do you know if they ever found out with the equipment failure? Would did they? I don't they, know. Those are you know those are things that go to different departments and get out of HR and you know, go to safety departments and stuff. So I honestly don't know the results of that specific piece. Yeah, because it would be interesting to test it after they get that figured out to see if there is some training that would work in the in the larger factories. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, okay, well, so let's, we have about four minutes till our next break, and um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. You said you're coming, you mentioned to me privately that you're launching some software. Can you... Tell a little bit about it, maybe where you're launching it, and then when we come back from the break, maybe we can go into it a little bit more and then get into some different topics. Sure. So we've been we've been doing this for um, we've been trying to figure out how to to measure human capital investments for almost ten years now, and 
about a year ago, we've been kind of quietly working on a software product. And so a year ago, we really put some significant resources behind it. And we've been in beta for about four weeks or six weeks. And mm. we, we formally launched the software to the market at, at uh, I think it's October 6th at the HR Tech Show in Las Vegas. So wow. we're really excited to start selling it or licensing it. And um, we're getting great client feedback. We've already been recognized by CIO Review as the top 20 most promising data analytics companies wow. prior to the launch of the software. So we're getting good reviews, and um, our beta clients are giving us great feedback. And uh, so we're real excited to la- formally launch in about a week and a half. So what is the name of the software? Uh, Vestrix. That's the reason we changed our brand. We're, we're oh, okay. We're still legally Capital Analytics Incorporated as a you know Delaware C corporation, mm-hmm. but we changed, um, created the brand Vestrix primarily for the launch of the software. So, the the name of the company from a brand point of view is is now Vestrix. Okay, so if if a company buys the software, do you offer it say in house or on a cloud or both or so how does that it's work? A, it's a cloud based solution. Mm-hmm. It's a very lightweight application that, um, and, and after break I can talk more about it. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a um, software as a service product and the cloud. All right. Well, why don't we take a break right now because I want to get into that without interruption. So you're you're listening to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host Olivia Parrud. Our guest today is Gene Pease of Vestrix, formerly Capital Analytics, and we'll be right back. the boardroom to you voice america business network how can we americans realize our dreams to earn a living how can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee learn how at the american business person the online weekly radio talk show hosted by rich killian Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Welcome. Welcome back. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, and my guest today is Gene Pease of Vestrix, formerly Human Capital Analytics, and author, co-author of Human Capital Analytics. Before the break, we were talking about um, some software that that called Vestrix that's being launched. So, Gene, tell us a little bit more about the software and how it may be accessible to companies. Yeah, thank you. So, um, uh, in about a week and a half, we launched formally launched our software, the uh, the the conference HR Technology Show in Las Vegas, and it basically is a um, a combination of kind of everything we've learned in the last nine years on how to measure human capital investments. And so the underpinnings of our work and the underpinnings of the software is is this tool that we call building a measurement map. And it's a visual depiction of an investment, say a leadership development program, for example, and a visual depiction of the chain of evidence that you would need to show to show ultimately that that investment had business impact and that it tied to to, to um, your corporate strategy. And so we have a tool that we use in our consulting practice that now we, we built a software product around that allows you and it helps you and intuitively helps you to build this measurement map, thinking about an investment and what would be leading indicators that would show evidence of that investment, kind of the cookie crumbs in the forest and getting, you know you're on the right trail to get to the cottage, but you know you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And that then leading indicators um, link into business results and business results hopefully link to corporate strategy. And so there's a, a map that you build um, the client builds that will depict that chain of evidence. And you can start with corporate strategy and work backwards, or you can work with a major investments and work towards corporate strategy. And when you build that map, that map then tells you a couple of things. It tells you not only um, what those items are, those leading indicators or business impact issues are, but it tells you, what data you need to be able to, to, to actually then do an analysis of that chain of evidence. And so when you know what data you need, you then know what systems you need to go to to pull that data. So then you pull that data from what we talked about earlier, from multiple systems and from HR and learning and uh, performance data, maybe financial data, and you pull that data in and then there's some tools that help you organize the data um, label it, etc., so mm-hmm. that the software then can can calculate for you a lot of different types of um, descriptive statistics around these disparate data sets that you pull together. And now you're looking at your people from a point of view 
from multiple data sets you've never been able to look at before. And then that begins to tell you in some, you know, kind of sexy graphics um, ways that you can start communicating with your bosses or your customers or your cohorts. And it's a, they're visual and color and somewhat intuitive and so that you can communicate fairly complicated information pretty easily and simply. And all of the output can be downloaded um, out of the cloud um, into PDF or a Word document or a PowerPoint document for presentation and report writing purposes. Wow. And it could probably, well, I guess anyone then could access it based on their uh, permissions or, um, you know, ability yeah, or level. So, yeah. So there could be multiple users. They could collaborate. If they're in different parts of the country or world, they can collaborate through this tool visually to help build it. We have beta clients that are in six different locations that are um, helping build a map around a, 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 a sales training initiative that's very complicated, thousands of people. Wow. Um, so they've got a bunch of people in different locations helping build it. So eventually they can do the analysis of what the data is going to begin to tell them. That's amazing. So when you talk about uh, the cookie crumbs, for example, is it the w- kind of thing where if you're not seeing what you expected, then you would perhaps reallocate dollars to something else or take some kind of other action or maybe call a meeting? Like, what would you do or what would an example of that? Well, I mean, generally, the types of investments that you would want to measure, um, you know, that you would want to put the kind of rigor around the measurement that we do are really the big things. And it's the important strategic, you know, investments. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put this rigor around the small things or the things that don't have much impact. Right. And so, generally, you've made a commitment to this investment because you're trying to solve a, 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 pro- a fairly major business problem. I'm trying to build a bench strength and transfer knowledge. That's why I'm putting a major investment in leadership development. Mm-hmm. Or I've I've got a major investment which companies make in their sales training, for example, you know things like that. Or I've just instituted a new performance management system, and I and I need to find ways to improve it so that it, I can optimize that investment over years. So typically, you wouldn't abandon. My point to all this is you wouldn't abandon an investment typically because you didn't see it was beginning to work, because you you know you've made this investment for some big issue. You would really want to start tweaking it and and changing it and adapting it for what you find. So it's really the it's not abandoning the path. Mm-hmm. It's following those cookie crumbs, but making course corrections as you go. So, for example, uh, VF, who's the you may not know who VF is, but VF's the world's largest apparel company. <laughs> wow! They have legacy brands like Wrangler and Lee Jeans. And they have fashion brands like North Face and Nautica and Vans, for example. Mm-hmm. And they, for major business reasons, they felt they needed to, to um, put a new performance management system in. And, um, and so we measured the first year's investment and measured it three times through the deployment. And in the first year, we were able to help them improve it by measuring and then giving quick feedback and having them do some tweaking where by the end of the first year when they were ready to deploy it 
amongst around the world, um, they had gotten feedback and improvements in the in the in the deployment of that before they went all around the the world at fifty or whatever it is thirty five different brands that they have, uh, and so by by align. So my my point is generally companies would stick with an investment but try to improve it. Wow! So it sounds like this is a tool that any company could value get value out of. Um, well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just thinking everybody, I mean, there's probably a few exceptions, but most companies are increasingly using technology and therefore having people that are valuable, therefore wanting to train them better, wanting to keep them longer, wanting to, to be more productive, happy, whatever, um, and to be able to just have a system that tracks it. And it sounds like your software actually is is adaptable or or can be conformed or or created to really serve the company's particular industry structure uh, whatever to be able to customize it to to their personal needs is that is that a fair statement yeah i mean our yes our methodology is agnostic to industry so wow. in this pro- this product is focusing mostly on learning and development not exclusively but 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 a lot of the vocabulary that's built into this software is around L and D, and um, but you know a a um, the investments companies make and the way we measure them, the measurement part of it is agnostic to the nuances of the industry, and so this we we believe and our our business has been built on multiple types of customers in multiple um, industries. Um, because it's the it's it's the alignment of investments in human capital to outcomes that we measure, not necessarily the nuances of the 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 the, the industry nor the content that's in those things that we measure. I see. All right. Well, we have a little bit less than two minutes left, and I understand you're working on a new book. Do you want to? Can you share a little bit about it? Yeah. So. Um, Wiley has um, been very encouraging to us about to keep writing, and and uh, we have lots of ideas on some of the groundbreaking work we're doing. So we're in the midst of finishing uh, writing our second book that Wiley will be publishing first quarter um, in 2014, and it's specifically um, around the the analytics around. Um, learning and development initiatives. And learning and development is the second largest investment companies make in their people. Salary and benefits is the first. Training is generally the second. And so we thought a book that really drilled into the specifics of L&D investments was really going to be needed, and we couldn't find anything out there that really talked about advanced analytics and L&D. So um, our book's called Developing Human Capital, Using analytics to plan and optimize your learning and development and um, investments, and that will be out by Wiley by early next year. Great, thank we you. Some, some very cool case studies in this book, as we had in the first first. Wonderful. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. Gene, thank you so much for being my guest today, and I do hope you'll come back and visit us again, especially when your book comes out. Okay, Olivia. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Next week, we're going to explore the art of quantum planning with Gerald Harris of the um, Quantum Institute. 
And be sure to check my host page for Voice America on voiceamerica.com for full details. I'm your host, Olivia Parrood. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 